I'm sorry. Are you though? I'm really not. <laughs> This time, we have a topic of big importance. We are finally going to solve a mystery that has occupied my brain for so long. And it is, why do people in manga and anime yell the name of the attack when they are doing their attack? I, I spent way too long trying to find the Japanese name for like, you know, so we said it's often a special technique that they develop and there's a word for special technique in Japanese, it's hisatsuwaza, okay. which is like my secret weapon, mm. my secret technique, which also begs the question, if it's secret, why do you yell it? But because uh, <laughs> <but laughs> like, you don't do that. I don't do that. When I, when I cook, I'm not like Shukugeki no Soma yelling the name of the ingredients. <laughs> So why? So first, maybe we can just talk a little bit about what is it we are talking about. Yeah. And I guess I'm going to rely heavily on you on that because you probably know a lot more battle mangas than I do. But one example that comes to mind to me is, for instance, Naruto's uh, Rasengan signature attack. Like the Rasengan. I think the biggest one is Dragon Ball Kamehameha attack. Oh yeah, the camera. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's, it's like the two big one that comes to mind directly. Like the other one, I think, which is interesting, but One Piece or do they have something in One Piece? They have the name of the fruits now. Luffy does say like gummy gummy whatever. Like I don't remember the name of the attack, but like they say the name of the attack. Or like even in Hunter Hunter, Gun say like giant can pong. Pretty much, it's pretty much universal, right? Shonen, even yeah. if I think of like weirder shonen like uh, Shokugeki no Soma, which is about cooking. I'm really glad that it came to my mind because when they cook, they scream the cooking technique. Like I, I don't have examples of cooking techniques, but maybe I should look it up. <laughs> I think Yakitate Japan was the first. Like, like it's a it's a manga about making bread. Uh, it's the first manga of like the cooking genre that like put that sort of like shonen like battle into like cooking and shonen like reaction also of the judge or like this clown that has like huge reaction about foods like it eats the food and like it kind of have, have like an orgasm and like something super intense yeah. i'm looking at a at a picture of a manga where it says mini souffle omelette <laughs> It's always like... Uh... But to be honest, so there's a show in France, but also in the US called Top Chef. So people cook and like it's kind of a cooking battle, but with real people, not anime. And what's in interesting in the French version, at least, is that people do name their food and say, oh, here's my blah, 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 blah. Okay, but they, they say it as presenting, like, please have my blah, 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 blah. Not just like the name when they're doing it, right? Yeah, but you could say... They, they use it as normal part of a conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, but like I think that's like my first point of why do you say the name to give more power on what you are doing? So like giving a name to your food, give it more context and more maybe power than like if it was not name, if it was just like here's my food. That's interesting. There's a there's a lot in this uh, in this sentence. So it's 
extra it has extra semantic information that you attach to what you're doing kind of like the title of a work of art we were, we were talking yes. recently like in the last episode about contemporary art uh, just the title can be very enlightening about what you mean by that so and I often consider like on Twitter that having like hashtags can be another layer of semantics on top of the text that can completely change the meaning sometimes here it mostly highlights the meaning I mm -hmm. guess or complements the meaning but in the last episode we talked about like the Airbnb thing and like without a title like I was saying that it was only raw data but actually like the title puts that into a work of art because it gives a meaning to the raw data I guess the title is part of the world the title is a piece of art <laughs> you can, could you imagine a piece of art that is just a title <laughs> called untitled untitled number zero ah uh, and there's nothing else but they're like nothing else they're, they're, that cannot exist because you have the title and the thing that's called by the title yeah you can't have a title the title cannot be dissociated from what it qualifies it's physically impossible so interesting damn we're at the five minute mark and i'm already like breaking new grounds new artistic grounds make a uh, untitled piece <laughs> of nothing <laughs> I wanted to make an eponymous uh, novel whose main character would be called Eponymous. <laughs> yeah, title is a whole thing, right? T title of a work of art, title of a dish. So title of an attack. Here we consider the 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 attack as kind of artistic an artistic statement <laughs> is there a shonen about art wow there's bakuman a little bit that's interesting i don't think so uh, well just bakuman for sure but is well, it about there has to be mangas about art i can name a few but nothing that's structured as a shonen i think art battle would be so fun to watch <laughs> <laughs> i remember uh barakamon whose first scene is uh not Strictly out about calligraphy, and the guy gets a bad review, so he just punches the the art director in the face. <laughs> That's an art battle. <laughs> Maybe not the right kind. What is he saying when he punches a guy? I don't think he's saying anything. So that distinguishes a punch from an attack. Yeah, that's a fair point. Maybe you name your attack to distinguish it from like a random battle, like to elevate it to the status of legendary, like worth retelling. It is special attack. Like yeah, they always say special. Yeah, attack. they don't say like punch, 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 and then like Vazengan. They just say like Vazengan, I guess. So that's interesting. And also maybe it's just a feeling, but I think that when they say the name it's always characteristic to one specific character. It's very rare that two characters has the same special attack. Well, in Naruto, like, they, they both use Rasengan is, like, for Jiraiya and for Naruto, but, like, it's kind of a character arc of, like, the mentor, the mentor, like, the mentee having the same attack and it's cute and all, and then you cry because, like, he learned it so fast. That's just me. <laughs> uh, but it's also, I think the first reading that you can make about special attack and their name is, like, a narrative ploy, basically, of giving a context to, to a special move. And you think the context is unique to the character? I don't know if that's true, though. There's a lot of sharing. Yeah, there's a lot of sharing, but it's al always character-driven, meaning... Like Someone who invents a new technique, usually, right? Maybe. Yeah, there's also the naming part, which is interesting. Like, who names it? The one who invents it, probably. <laughs> yeah. In Dragon Ball, who invented the turtle guy? What's his name again? I don't know Dragon Ball. You don't Ball. know Dragon Ball? Like, what are you doing? 
No. It's an important part of the like, culture. And as we said... Uh, Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so everyone uses Kamehameha, but like the only guys that use Kamehameha is the good guys. So it's also a way maybe to distinguish between good and bad guys. Yeah, I guess we'd have to come to the origin of all the special attacks. But to be honest, I was looking on the web for like what is the first manga that used that I don't know, narrative device and um, I didn't find it like a lot of people talked about Naruto but I was talking about Dragon Ball was before and I didn't actually find mm. the first manga that did use um special attack but actually like is that is that only a manga thing like in comics like don't they like don't Superman say I don't know super punch <laughs> super super sight I don't think so <laughs> Really? <laughs> well, like Superman don't really have like a special power, but what about? Do you imagine Spider-Man saying like, "Oh, Spider"? There is the the famous parody in Batman saying like, "Oh, the Bat Ladder, the <coughs> Bat Mobile, the Bat Everything." But Batman is the, is not saying the you Bat Punch <laughs> or what? <laughs> Except in parodies, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting. Ah, mm. uh, yeah, I don't. I think you see that in Western. That's why I was so conf well confused. That's why I found that interesting because I, I think I think it's a true particularity of let's say Eastern culture as a whole, maybe. But I think like what's interesting also is like in Western culture when you think about it, superpowers that like superhero have are less maybe differentiating between each other. But this, this is not a special technique they came up with, right? It's not what I uh, like. Usually in Shonen, every character has like different special techniques in superhero comics. Like there's usually only one superhero, maybe like two in X-Men, there's multiple, but it's less maybe, there's less space to have like, many, many... Yeah, I don't think they ever say like, oh, I'm going to spend months perfecting this one move that I'm going to call my special technique. It's more like I'm going to spend months training for battle yeah, or something yeah, like for that. Yeah, sure, for sure, for sure. It's less heavily specialized. <laughs> but that's what I, what I really, really love about Shonen is like that kind of intense work to achieve like that one like move. And I find it very endearing to like watch this little guy like, goes through intense training and like succeed, like feel good about themselves. It is an intense dedication. And it's the, the fact that it needs a special title, a special name to talk about it highlights how, how much dedication you need, right? And you, you make it a special thing by the training. So having a name, I think like we talked kind of enough about why this special attack has a name, which is fair. But I think like even in real life, like in, in um, martial arts, I think each move has a name, which I think is maybe the first time of the argument. Like, why do they need a name? Well, because like it's a special like attack that like they they work for like a long time, blah blah. So I looked a little bit into yeah. it uh, because I th I do think that in the end this kind of technique names take roots in martial arts, and so as you said, martial arts often have names for techniques. Let's say, uh, and one big argument that I saw sprung up over and over is that if you have a name for it it makes it a bit more easy to transmit and to train people saying like oh we're gonna do that so from what i've from the little research i did names in martial arts were 
a lot about transmission mm. and education. That is cute. So it's a device to transmit your knowledge to someone. Yeah, to help transmit the knowledge, which is also why earlier when you said like it's often from one person, I was like, oh, maybe not. Maybe it's... Uh, yeah, but actually like I, 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 I think it was completely false. Meaning like when you say like Naruto Rasengan, well like Jiraiya has and he's a mentor that like teach Naruto to get the technique. When you see like Kamehameha, it is learned by, I can't remember, like the turtle guide to Son Goku and then like Son Goku teach it to his kids. So it's very much actually about like transmission of knowledge. Yeah, and uh, ultimately these technique names are language and language is meaningless if it's just you, right? It's, language is about transmission, let's say, about communication. And so part of it is to let the enemy know what's going to hit him. <laughs> part of it is also for the training. But I think like what's interesting is like in some manga, they actually talk about that. Like usually in most manga, in, in most shonen manga, people say the technique and it's not acknowledged by anyone. It's as if they didn't say it. Like, so a special, like, shadowy attack can be named, can be yelled, and, like, no one has an issue with it. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, no one is surprised by it. Like, it's just how it works. Like, in some manga, I can't remember an exact... Well, maybe just paraphrase it and uh, some listener will know and tell us. I have an example, but it's not a manga. It's in Harry Potter. Uh, but I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, well, it's not the same thing because the spell do need the actual wording. I mean, it only needs it because the author says so. so. So you could imagine that it wouldn't. What I'm saying is like in the book, like at some level of progression, you don't need to say the spell anymore. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. (laughs) Let's let's talk about it some more. Like what the fuck is up with that? (laughs) But whatever. So what what was your example before we move on to... (laughs) <laughs> to magic. That's it. I, I can't remember. I know that I've read it in the shonen that you need to be aware. That, like, I think it's Antanta, no? Where, like, Gun is doing Janken Pong and Kirua is saying, like, oh, but it takes too much time and you need to say those words. So, like, people can attack you when you need to focus when you're on your Janken and, like, blah, blah. And, like, they're actually trying for it to be, like, quicker to say. <laughs> Training on the speed of uh, with which you say your attack name so that you don't lose time in battle is just so great i love the concept <laughs> i don't think it's Antanta to be honest i don't know it rings a bell i don't think i'm inventing it maybe i i, I am it's just you you know you have to say it there's no way around it so you better say it fast <laughs> i'm still stuck on like why do you have to say it <laughs> yeah let's go there then like what why do you need to say it so i i understand why you would want to name an attack mm-hmm. for transmission for sure. in your dojo or whatever to write it in a in a textbook or whatever uh, but why do you have to say it <laughs> and maybe harry potter is actually a good gateway into this because when you do do spells in magic in some magic universes you have to say their names for sure. I think like what makes more sense in magic than like in most shonen is that the power don't, sometimes it doesn't come from you, it comes from the space around you. And so you need to like invoke the space around you somehow, <laughs> like the, the world. <laughs> to let I, the little particles, let the atoms in air exactly. know. Words do that, like language do that. This episode is brought to you by the last breath you take just before you fall asleep. You do it every day, and then 
never can you single out that elusive white whale and before you know it it's gone I don't remember shit and I couldn't find it again but like there was this small culture in the Amazonian forest and like there's, there's a cool article learning about their magical spell so basically like the shaman in that culture and like the shaman do like all sort of all sort of magic like for the crops for like healing people for what whatever like when people are dead like to to transfer the the soul to whatever and like there was this really really cool linguistic research about the power of words meaning like each word was supposed to call different spirits but there was all these rules about like which spirits needs to go before another spirit and there was actually like grammar rules like created in the spelling of the magic spell there was a true belief in that in, in that like village in that culture that like the actual word has like the the power to do that like it was not like the shaman that, that has the power it was it was a word that was transferring the power from like like nature to to existence yeah yeah sure it's super interesting because even if it's if the reality like whatever the conceptual space is completely different the language space cannot right it's always one string of sounds like it's always linear yeah i guess what i was thinking of is that the language part is always a representation and so necessarily needs some sort of mapping translation between the real thing and the language space okay okay but is it always a representation as you as you always say as a good example of what like something that you're very interested about is about like the power of words in themselves and like then like there's no representation <laughs> when i say like think about a banana then you think about a banana and there's no mapping it's interesting because yeah i guess so yeah the, the, this example when you tell me think about a banana i kind of cannot help but thinking about a banana so it's literally a spell that you're casting with these words with this incantation it's hard to deny that the words coming out of your mouth have some sort of effect on my neurons which is pretty so cool <laughs> it's really really cool it's really, like and and it's not just like your words like the words said by anyone so there is some something words are a concept that exists <laughs> intrinsically <laughs> and that makes sense intrinsically because like said in any context i will always have bananas in my mind that is a word banana and i, I want to see a manga when the the name of the attack is think about a banana and the guy thinks about the banana <laughs> and it would work on the reader too and that's so meta oh <laughs> A manga where the a shonen manga where the character fights against the reader through attack names. <laughs> I love the idea. I don't. I like. I have no clue how you can do a fun stuff with it, but like the idea is amazing. Uh, well, like I think there's still more to say about like m magic incantation and, and the power of names, uh, but. Mm -hmm. Since we are talking about the power of characters on the reader, I have like this precise point uh, is that all this anime, etc. comes from manga, which is ultimately 2D drawings in black and white. So sometimes, I don't know about for everyone, but I, uh, for me and I imagine for other people, it can be hard to make sense of. And I think in yelling the attack names, there is definitely uh, a part 
where the so it's not the character, it's the author telling the reader how to imagine that. For instance, Lazengan means tornado bullet. Like it's always, it's never like completely out of the blue. In Tegamibachi, like letter B, they have attack names like uh, Aobari, which means blue needle, stuff like that. So I think part of the answer to that is uh, to the question why do, do you have these attack names all the time is also as a means of communication <laughs> because the bandwidth of the expressive bandwidth of a manga image is can only get you so far <laughs> so from the author to you basically yeah so some sort of like uh, inst- uh what was uh what is it in theater script like some, some sort of annotation to tell you how to imagine the attack i think that's Which is lost in translation most of the time, by the way. <laughs> But some languages are better than others to do something, and like French, English can do that. Maybe with like attack name, could make sense and doesn't sound that cheesy. It sounds cringy as fuck. Like if you tell me like, oh, blue needle, tornado bullet, I can't imagine it being not cringy. It, it sounds. It's. <laughs> sounds cringy it sounds way more cringy in french like i think french is the worst language to do that kind of shit <laughs> maybe with food <laughs> aiguille bleu like you know what i mean I- even like blue needle like blue needle sounds a bit more yeah. special that's uh, i'm a bit eager to be completely fluent and immersed in japanese to see if It sounds weird or not, but I assume it doesn't because everybody does it. There is something cultural here. Like, why does it seem shitty to us and they keep, and yet they keep doing it? <laughs> Just <laughs> I think like some languages are less cringy than others. And like English is less cringy than French. And like maybe Japanese is even less cringy than English. Yeah, but come on. Having an attack name in English is cringy as fuck still. Yeah, and like the the real difference about you can see it in Google search. Like when you say Batman special like special attack, it's like the first thing that comes up is a uh, is a video games attack list. When you say Naruto special attack, the first article is like the 15 most powerful attack of Naruto. <laughs> We didn't talk a lot about video games, but I think this is uh, well, I don't know. We can very briefly brush on the debate because uh, it's helpful to have a name for the attack in a video game to help you choose it in the menu <laughs> but still why do they have to yell it when they when they cast it see like oh yeah another very good example is the uh, shoryuken from uh, street fighter hadoken yeah <laughs> why do you say that like why <laughs> well so, so i think like if we remove ourselves from the story in itself so if it makes no sense in the story then like it does make sense as a marketing device meaning you want kids to shout out rather than get in the street sure and if you if you have a catchy catchphrase it stays in the uh, heads of people and they, they, they think about it more often oh i have Speaking of marketing, so that will allow me to segue into my main angle for this uh, for this topic, which we haven't talked about yet, which is battle cries. I Ooh. thought that maybe the fact that you yell your attack name is kind of like a battle cry. So, and why is it relevant to marketing? Because the word slogan actually comes from Gaelic for war cry. No way. Which is That's like so cute, so great. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make that shit up, man. 
So that's amazing. War cries are kind of a form of marketing. I mean, it's about declaring your brand, like <laughs> you display your brand. It's about brand awareness. Like you make others aware of you. So wait, wait. So let's define what it is for a moment. Is it something that you say during battle? War cry. So war cry or battle cry through history. It was pretty big in medieval Europe, mm -hmm. and it kind of faded away. Well, transformed into marketing slogans, I guess. <laughs> uh, whereas in the east, you have the attack names in mangas, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But anyway, during medieval times people would usually yell that uh, running into battle and it was multi-purpose so first is to, uh, to to give you strength and courage like everybody yells kind of like uh, supporters at a football match or whatever like you mm -hmm. still have this kind of battle cries though nowadays it's more like yeah slogans like little limericks than just battle cries because battle cries were really like a couple of words it was very big in scotland and in ireland okay the only youtube video i could find about battle cries was about the history in, in uh, ireland uh anyway <laughs> uh, but another very big uh, part of it was some sort of like belonging Like community building, because I guess maybe the battlefield is messy and you have to be able to tell friends or foe or whatever, or just to affirm your ident your brand identity that you all come from the same uh, group. Cumbersome way to ID yourself. Not really, it's just yelling something. I'm sure you you even know some. Like in France, it was Montjoie Saint-Denis or... Bourgeois Saint-Denis? What are you talking about? It was often uh, cities' names in medieval France. War cries. Really? Or family names of nobles. Okay. I had no clue. There is, so yeah, I, there is surprisingly little information about war cries, but there is a good list of war cries on Wikipedia. <laughs> And in a way, you see it like in RTSs, like in Warcraft, the units have war cries, like you see for Doomhammer or for Nelzul or whatever. Yes. Like for, for X or Y. It was also a thread display. And uh, if you need an example, you can think of the haka that, like, the whatever rugby team does. <laughs> to recap a bit, so battle cries use, like, three purposes, identification, motivation, and, and thread display. I agree that it goes back to, like, special attack, which is, like, identification of your mentor. What? <laughs> <laughs> thread display. Oh, my God, he has the Byakugan. <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, special eyesight in Naruto. From, is it? Yeah, it's only for this family, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's about distinguishing yourself as nobles. <laughs> Sometimes it's about saying, "Oh, if he has time to say Rasengan in the middle of the battle, that means he's a pretty badass dude, right? <laughs> he has spare time." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> And maybe it needs to, to say it for it to work. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's, it functions like magic. So we haven't spoken that much about magic and the true power of... We talked about the literal power of words, which I think is like so fascinating. Yeah. But there's this mystical aura around words saying like, I don't know, it seems like in fantasy you never say the true name of the dragon or something because else you have the control over it. Like I think Skyrim is about that. 
like finding true name of things to have control over it. The big fantasy series, the name of the wind, which is literally like finding the name, like when you find the name. I haven't read it, so you tell me. <laughs> it's an amazing fantasy book. So when you find the name of the thing, you gain power over it. It's a very pervasive idea in in this kind of setups. It has a real name and a fake name. When you think about it, it's a bit like the win is a win, but like the win has also a real name that you need to find. I don't know, it's rarely explained why like knowing the name of something. I think like I didn't think about that before that episode, which I find kind of sad because I'm sure you can find like a lot of research about that. But why having the name of someone is so strongly attached to gaining power over someone. I can see some sort of psycho psychoanalytical, historical, anthropological argument for it. Like if you name a concept, like if you name a tree tree, then you have the power to describe it, to act on it, to tell others about it giving a name means conceptualize in a way like and then you're able to use language over it but do you gain power over it though like you gain the power of describing it well okay i have a very good uh, simple example of it in a lot of well, in some uh, well in a lot of countries in, in languages in different languages you have different spectra of names for colors and in a lot of languages blue and green don't have different names and if you don't have different names you don't have the power to distinguish between them as much but you have as much power to use them well that's up for debate <laughs> can we test that as an experiment you never have the power to paint your house blue and not green for instance i mean do you think that giving name to colors language with like names for blue and greens gives more well people that know language that differentiate blue and greens have a more have an easier time to distinguish between blue and green than people that don't know language that differentiate both yeah, of course it's co it's completely it changes your experiential landscape it's kind of like wine if you want like the first Someone who's never tasted wine will be unable to distinguish all the differences between different wines. It, it's like when you say it's an acquired taste. But do you think language language has an importance in that? Don't you think just like you drink a lot of wine, then like obviously you, you can make more and more difference between like different tastes, but even without language, even if you don't talk about like the taste? I mean, it all depends what you call language, but I, th I think it's important that you can conceptualize the difference and then... You have some sort of conceptual key, which you might call a word for it. <laughs> That's so interesting and it's very testable. I, I believe it is tested, probably. <laughs> so you, can, you can see how the naming scheme changes your conceptual landscape. Right? It's not like, I don't know, saying that because I know your first name, I have power over you is a bit of a jump from there. <laughs> <laughs> What does psychoanalysis say about names of things? <laughs> about signifiers? <laughs> well, in Lacan's psychoanalysis, what's, what's really nice is like the differentiation between name and the objects that like the name is referring to in your mind, which I think is not that, like, I think is obvious for you, maybe not obvious for everyone, like saying that like table, like the word table is very different than the actually thought of table and i think like that like differentiation between language as you speak it versus language in your head is important and like maybe give powers meaning like because
because you could say that the true name, the true name of table is the is the name in your is head. Is the name in your head, and like table is just like a shadow of this. But you'll never be able to actually voice it because it's another language. Yeah, but like by finding it, by finding the true world of table in your head you're unlocking some kind of potential i guess uh which is unlocking like chain of signifiers and signifiers. And if we go less far uh if i have the concept and the name for a table i can imagine it as at will right here i have the power to materialize tables in my head you don't need language to do that though but it's just Platonic, not Lacanian. <laughs> but in the Platonic sense, what you unlock is the true meaning of table, meaning like the true form yeah. of table. What you unlock in Lacan is like your true meaning of, like your... It's something, yeah, something personal, but vaguely related to a table. <laughs> and it's also linked to many, many other things. And so by finding, if you could find, which is not possible, but if you could find the true meaning of table for you, you would also see the link to all other symbols, basically. Ah, uh, yeah. When Naruto says Rasengan, what he means is your dad didn't love you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's where it goes wrong because the attack name should depend on the receiver, the receiver, not the speaker. <laughs> if you want to use psychoanalytic. I don't know when when Naruto uses Rasengan after Jiraiya dies. It's like maybe he invokes Jiraiya mind into his Rasengan by saying the word because now it's linked to the dead of his father figure and it gives more power. Like by the link oh. in his true form of Rasengan in his head, by the link to that to Jiraiya, when Jiraiya dies, it gives more power to the attack and just by language, it gives more power to the attack. But why do you have to speak it then? Oh, because you need uh, others to be aware of it in a very Sartrean way. You construct yourself. Because you don't know it. No, no, no. Because you activate you activate the link by language, by like the language form. You activate the chain link by like saying it. You don't know that about yourself. But by, by saying Razengan, like it activates the link and then like powers are unlocked. I can, I could buy that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds you implicitly of all the time, of all the previous times where you said it, all the good times you spent. It's kind of like an inside joke, like, remember? <laughs> <laughs> member is the ultimate inside joke about remembering things. From South Park, uh, for listeners who don't know. I think it's probably a good place to stop. Um, is it? I don't know. <laughs> it was a question. You can say no. Uh, I don't have much more to say. Like, if you have other point of view, I think no, we... I think I put most of what I said. Okay. But I think, like, the last thing we said about Razangan is kind of a good conclusion. Yeah, that's why I was thinking it's a good conclusion. Because we could... Like, go back into why do you need to be heard, to be acknowledged, etc. But, I mean, like, this is a good conclusion. Otherwise, I'm going to talk about no exit and Sartre. Wait, what is this no exit in French? Uh, anyway, so I invite everyone to tell us your favorite special attack, be it in anime or in real life. The one that reminds you of your father figure. <laughs> Okay, so leave us comment on everything that Daily Podcast, Reddit, Gmail, Twitter. I wish there was a, a special attack that could make people leave comments. <laughs> the special attack is please subscribe 
and rate our podcast on iTunes. Don't for- don't forget to like and subscribe is very much the attack name of every YouTuber. <laughs> the special attack of every YouTuber. And the algorithm changed it now. Now they added like click on the bell. Oh uh, yeah, don't forget the bell. Don't forget the bell. <laughs> so yeah, don't forget the bell, please. See, it's an established practice. Do you hear the story of like uh, that kid in uh, kindergarten? I think it was in Japan who thought that uh, don't forget to like and subscribe means bye. So he was saying that every time, every day to his mom. No way. At no, kindergarten. No, no, that's not true. Well, I didn't like fact check because I don't care too much. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It is very fun. It's kind of sad as well if it is true. I mean, in a way. It does mean goodbye for a certain subculture. It does have the same power. Meaning. Meaning, yeah. yeah. It signifies that you belong to the group of YouTubers. It frightens people around you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it is the new battle cry. <laughs> it's a battle cry to say we're leaving the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, like a battle cry, which is uh, see you next time, but not uh, tomorrow. tomorrow to cringe. Bye bye.